But as you are going to see, as we continue, there's so much in Thessalonians, we don't even have time for the, the rapture teaching. But like I said, if you want, uh, I'll give you a bonus two studies on our PowerPoints and everything, like I said. But we'll leave it for another occasion. You'll get nervous when I say that. I know this. <laughs> All right. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. We'll start in verse 13. We're gonna we're gonna read through chapter three and verse eight for now. So there's a total change of subject as he's still addressing the body. So let's just read the word of God first and then we'll we'll comment on it. And uh I'm sorry, John, what time do I stop? All right, good enough. All right, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as a word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Isn't that an exciting verse? Wow, man. The word of God does it. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles, that they might be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been bereft of you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. By the way, I'm reading the New American Standard in case you're wondering. Uh, for verse 18, for we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. Now, don't miss this. And yet Satan thwarted us. Or your version might say uh, blocked us, interfered. Uh, anybody have it different in their version? Hindered. Okay, hindered. Hindered. So that's the idea. For who is our joy or crown of exhortation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Oh, by the way, when you read 1 Thessalonians, the ending of every chapter has something to do with the Lord's coming. So notice that also when you read. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith 
for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor should be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distresses and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. Now you really live if you stand firm in the Lord. Wow, amen. All right, now, Paul had come to the Thessalonica, the to that particular city. They preached the gospel. Uh, they, they were for three weeks preaching in the synagogues. After they pretty much had rejection from the Jewish people, a few of them got saved. He went to the Gentiles. He was there with them for a while. Many Gentiles got saved. We estimate between four to six months that he was with them before he moved on. Right? So, so he was in there terribly long time. Now when they got saved, immediately they were uh, being afflicted, persecuted because of their faith. So it wasn't like they, they even had a chance to grow in the faith and relative peace, but immediately there was the opposition because they came to Christ. And so Paul had to flee. He left that, that circumstance and he left and he goes down to Athens. Now remember, Thessalonica is up in Macedonia in the north and then he went down to Achaia in the south. Right, so from north to south, and he's in Achaia where Corinth is at. At this point, when he wrote, though, he was in Athens. Remember when uh, the Mars Hill and all that? All right, so he went down, and during that stay right there is when he wrote First Thessalonians, followed shortly by the second letter. All right, so there were a relatively new set of believers. Uh, they were afflicted right away, uh, being persecuted because they turned to Christ for salvation. And they were witnessing, they were being bold, the, the church was growing, uh, they were serving one another, growing in love. So it was a, a tremendous assembly. Uh, many had gotten saved there, God moved greatly. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, he says, pray that the word was spread rapidly like it did with you. So they were very receptive to the gospel. Near there was Berea too, that they were receptive as well. And so when, when they had to leave, uh, he was really concerned because as we looked at the study previous, he, he really cared for them. He really cared for their spiritual growth, for their lives, for what was going on with them. So as, as he, he left there, he was like, oh, Lord, uh, I'm so concerned from their faith that they're going to walk away from the faith. And so, so when he writes the letter, he says, look, you're being persecuted just like the Jews persecuted us in Jerusalem and all that area. You remember when their persecution came and they, they had to disperse. And the Jewish leaders are hounding us and they're following us around everywhere we go. And they don't want people to get saved. Isn't that amazing? How, how men resist the gospel. Not only resist it, but they oppose it. And they don't want the gospel even preached. And he says, what's happening with you is the same thing. But the Gentiles, that's what we know is mainly a Gentile assembly. Uh, the, the Gentiles... The, the, the leaders of their, of their idols and their doctrine, the false doctrines, are, are persecuting you just like the Jews persecuted us and the church of God. And they keep accumulating their sin, and God already judged them. 
And, and you know, all of those men are dead now. And guess where they're at? Eternally judged for rejecting the gospel and opposing it. Double judgment. As Jesus said, they're double worthy of hell. Yeah, oh, oh, by the way, I notice there's more people on this side than this side. You know, it's, uh, you, you know what the Lord Jesus said that, that in that day, hey, Matthew 25, right, he's going to have the sheep on the, on, the, uh, on the right hand, the goats on the left. Is that why the sheep are over here? No, no, but if you turn around like this, there's the true believers are on this side. No. All right. Oh, same team. All right, all right. There you go. There you go. All right, so one of the first things that, that he taught the new believers, when, when you bring someone to Christ, what is the first thing you teach them? As I've been studying this a little deeper, one of the first things he taught them is you're going to suffer affliction. Uh, life is not fair. Just because you came to Christ doesn't mean that suddenly you're going to get healed and prosper and be blessed because that's what we're hearing everywhere. Right? Blessing, blessing, yeah, yeah, yes, I'm blessed in Jesus. In fact, that's one of my witnessing tools. How are you today, Ray? Oh, I'm blessed. Really? Why do you always say you're blessed? Because Jesus cleansed me from sin and gave me eternal life. Don't you think I'm blessed? They're like, whoa, you know? But hint, hint, that's a good little tool to use, right? Because we are blessed in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places, they're ours. So that's a good witnessing tool. All right, so... They came to Christ and immediately said, look, you're going to suffer affliction. Notice he doesn't say that you're going to prosper. He doesn't say that, that just pray and have enough faith and God will heal you. And, uh, you know, God's going to give you that car that you're asking for. He's going to give you that thing. You know, you just have to have enough faith. That's not what he tells them. You're going to suffer affliction. I told you that. And it's happening. So I prepared you for it. Right now, as he's left them, and now he's down in Athens, he thinks, you know what, I want to go back to visit that church because I want to encourage them in their faith. I'm concerned because they're so uh, persecuted and afflicted that, in fact, look at, uh, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, just to show you, and, and, and verse, uh, verse well, 3 and 4 again. 3 and 4, we ought to always give thanks for, to God for you, brethren, as they're only fitting because your faith great, is greatly enlarged. And the love of each one of you towards one another grows ever greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. And so he, he was extremely concerned. Uh, I, I want to go back. and I, I want to go back to visit to, so I can teach you more, encourage you in your faith. But what happened when he wanted to go back? What happened? Thank you. Satan was hindering. Isn't that amazing? Don't just read that and overlook it. Don't read and overlook it. Satan is actively trying to hinder and destroy this assembly. You don't think it's true? He is coming at you because you have denied him. Have you turned to Jesus? He's your Lord. He's no longer under, you're no longer under his control. And he's mad. And what he wants to do is destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he's going to do whatever it takes to destroy this local assembly. We are in a spiritual battle and you have to be aware of that reality. And so how do we know it was Satan? That, because he said it. And because God inspired 
the, the, the Holy Scriptures, God was saying, Paul, write down what was going on. Satan was hindering you. Now, a couple of commentaries said it was like a, like a, like a, uh, like a battle, and there was like a blockade. You know how during the war, there's blockades and you can't get through? Yeah, that was the idea. They were trying to come back, and Satan kept blocking their way so they couldn't get back there to encourage the saints because Satan thought, if they don't get back, and I can keep persecuting, persecuting, I'm going to get them to turn away from the faith. And so we're not even aware of it sometimes, but we're in a spiritual battle. And Satan is opposing and fighting. And sometimes even when you're preaching the word of God, he's opposing. You know that when we do mission work in Mexico, in the mountains and in the poor, where there's poor people and a lot of idolatry, sometimes we're preaching the word of God. Do you know that the dogs start to bark? They bark and bark and bark, and you can't even hear the preaching. And sometimes the chickens start to, uh, you know, do whatever noise they make, right? And you think I'm joking? Come with me. Come with me. And sometimes the baby will start crying. So you know what we do? We say, Lord, we're here, and we're in a spiritual battle, and we're going to pray right now that you shut the mouth of the baby that's going to cry, that you shut those dogs up, that, that nothing would hinder the Holy Spirit as we're preaching the Word of God. We pray like that. So one time we were in, in a town in Mexico, and, and it was packed. We packed that house out. And, and as I was trying to preach the gospel, the Catholic Church sent two ladies, specifically just to disturb the meeting. So picture a packed house. There's barely anywhere to move. And right across from me, about where you are, ma'am, there, there was these two ladies. So I started preaching. And they were like, wait, wait. Why do you say that? And, and they would just say nonsense. So I would answer them. Then I would start preaching again. Wait! And she was just constantly interfering. And so I looked at my partner. I said, start praying, dude. Satan sent two people in here, and we're in a spiritual battle. For 40 minutes, this went on. It got to the point, you know what's funny? Nobody left. It got to a point where I said, lady, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. We threw them out, all the way out there, ah, yelling and saying stuff, ah, and, and everybody, and they left. And then I said to the people, listen, it's been 40 minutes already. I'm sorry this lady kept interrupting. If y'all want to leave, they said, no, no, we've been hearing. We heard how you answered her. We want to hear your message. You believe it? And we preached the word to them, and some got saved. But afterwards, I felt like somebody hit me with a ton of bricks. I was just like. Spiritual dream. We're in a spiritual battle. Folks, sometimes you wonder why God's not moving. Satan's fighting. You have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of that. Now, just to show you, let, let, let's read the text again. Because it's easy to read quickly and not listen to the little details. Watch this then. He goes, we couldn't get back there, so we sent Timothy. Timothy somehow got through. He went to visit the church. And notice what he says. Uh, and Timothy, our brother, verse 2, God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage us to your faith, so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. For, we, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. Mark that in your Bible. Not destined to, to be healthy all the time, to get rich or whatever, if, but if you are rich, praise the Lord. It's, not, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to have that too. I'm not saying anything against that. Because it's biblical too. I know a lot of rich men that have blessed my life. 
Verse 4, for indeed we were with you and we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, so it came to be. For this reason, when I could endure no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. So Timothy, go back there, see how they're doing, because man, uh, this is terrible what's happening with them. And, and the last thing I want is for them to walk away from the faith. Notice. For this reason, verse 5, when I can do no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor should be in vain. All right. What, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Well, very, very, very simple. Satan would come to them then. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep the leaders from coming and giving them more truth and teaching them the word of God. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interfere and hinder every way I can so they won't come. And so meanwhile, I'm going to afflict them. I'm going to persecute them. And then I'm going to say to them, why don't you just go back? It was so much easier. Just go back. Go back to your religion. Go back to your world. Why, why suffer? Why, why are you losing out? Oh, don't you realize you're losing out? Look at, look at your buddies. They get to play and sin and, and do whatever they want, and you can't. You, know, you have to be a goody two-shoes. And, and, and so Satan comes, and, and he's no fool. Right? Why suffer? Why suffer? You were doing better before you came to Christ. It seems that if, 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 that if I'm always serving God and helping out and giving to him that this is unfair, I deserve better health, a better job, a better home, and better circumstances. How is it, God, that my neighbor is an atheist and curses your name and he has a nice car and better things than I do and better health? This is not right. And Satan says, that's right, it's not right. Walk away. Walk away from the faith. And so what, is it, what does it say in Timothy? Many, Timothy chapter 4, many, having listened to the doctrines of demons, have walked away from the faith. What did they listen to? Doctrines of? Of demons. Man, you, you, you don't think Satan throws in his demons in the church to, so they can listen? How many people you know have walked away from the faith listening to garbage? Right? And right now, Satan is going through YouTube and, and uh, Twitter and all that stuff, and he's just filling believers' head with junk. You don't think we're in a spiritual battle? Just think, and how many people you know have walked away from the faith? Or, as I say, we're having a faith crisis. Now, it's all right if you have one. I, I personally never really had a faith crisis, but I, my son did. And, and other people that I know, I've had, I'm just confused. I know y'all taught us this growing up, but man, because all this garbage coming at them from the outside, and they start to, so you better know what you believe. You better know what you believe. Be careful what you read or what you're listening to on YouTube. Every kind of nonsense that you can find out there. And so, Paul says, you know, I'm praying that when I preach to you and you said you got saved, that your faith was real. Because if you walk away from the faith, then my labor would have been in vain. Right? So you need to know what you believe. You need to know where you're standing in regards to your faith. Because Satan's going to come and he's going to tempt you. Now, the next thing you need to understand is there's trials of faith. 
You are going to be tested in your faith. Count it out joy, right? When, when you are going through afflictions. Where's that? James, right? Chapter, chapter 1, verse 3 or 4, right? Count it out joy because you know that God is working in your life in whatever he may be permitting. So God's permissive will many times allows for those trials and, and, and those things that happen in our life. It could come in sickness. It could come a loss of job. It could come through temptation. It comes from all angles in every way. Many times God allows it. Sometimes it's Satan, but it's going to happen. And so I'm going to quote to you a couple of godly men and just listen to what they say. Real faith is always increased by opposition. Isn't that incredible? You would think by, oh, God's going to bless you and make, you know, give you all these things and, and so your faith will increase. No, it won't. It's going to increase by opposition while false confidence is damaged and discouraged by it. Once we begin to count facts, our Father begins to build us up in the faith. George Mueller, God delights to increase the faith of his children. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for patience to be willing to take them from God's hands as a means. And I say, and I say deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very fruit of faith. You ever think of that? James McConty. Faith is dependence upon God. This God dependence only begins when self-dependence ends. And self-dependence only comes to its end when sorrow, suffering, affliction, broken plans, and hopes bring us to that place of self-helplessness and defeat. J.B. Stoney. It will comfort you much to be assured that the Lord is teaching you dependence on himself. I believe that the Lord allows many things to happen on purpose to make us feel our need of him. Actually, we cannot trust anyone further than we know him. <laughs> and so, uh, Paul, Paul is like, wow, these people came to faith, and I think it was genuine. I want to get back there and, and encourage them in their faith and build them up, teach them more, because they're young believers, and I know Satan's going to come at them and, and Hopefully, my, my labor wasn't in vain. Timothy, you go because I can't get there. Satan keeps blocking me. And so Timothy gets there, and he goes to encourage them and to build them up in the faith, to build them up. And then when he comes back to Paul, he tells Paul, man, Paul, they are thriving. They are thriving. They are being persecuted. They're suffering afflictions, but their, their faith is increasing. They're strong in faith. They're still witnessing. They're still living for God. They're not walking away. Wow. Amen. They were still strong and they were firm. Now, notice how he says it. Notice how he says it. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. And so Timothy comes back with that good news. Not only are they increasing in love, but they're in faith, but in love as well. Remember, he mentioned in, in the beginning, I thank God for your, for your faith and for your love and for your hope. And uh, you're increasing in it. 
And so he's excited. And for this reason, brethren, in all our distresses and afflictions, we, are, we were comforted about you through your faith. Wow. Why, why were the missionaries, the, the ones that established that church, why were they comforted? Because they were what? Firm in the faith. They were walking in faith. And uh, the apostle John says in 2nd and 3rd John, I, I am so full of joy to know that some of you are walking in the truth. In other words, you're walking in faith. You're walking in the truth. You haven't denied the Lord. You were really saved. And if you're really saved, you're going to walk in the faith. And you will not turn away from it. It doesn't mean you won't have a faith crisis at times because uh, uh, many times some people go through that. But eventually you'll come back and you're going to be firm in the faith. How do we know somebody's really saved? Sometimes you don't know to the end. Sometimes you don't know to the end. In fact, the one who endures into the end, that's the one that was really saved. Why? Let, let, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. Notice, I have kept the faith. Why does he say that? Because a true believer will keep the faith. He's going to die in the Lord in his faith. All right, the person who has been made righteous by God lives and survives the coming ordeal by faith. The believer trusts God in everything. The believer trusts God in everything. That was, that was a Ryrie in his commentary. Hebrews 12.3, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, endured. Why? So that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So you can confidently rest your faith on him. And so when we look at the Lord Jesus, uh, our example, the forerunner, right? And we looked at the fact that he endured the cross. He didn't back off, even though he could have. Don't you know that I can call the Father and he'll send 12 legions of angels? But that's what I came for. And I'm going to go through this so I can save you and give you hope. So that when you are in that position, you won't back out either. But you look at my example. And so they, they were, they were formed. Now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. Every time I go back to where my spiritual children are, I get so excited to see them walking in faith. In fact, I was in, in Georgia doing a camp last year and this year. So last year we had about 10 kids come to Christ. And I, came, I went back this year and a couple of them come running, one little girl. Mr. Ray, Mr. Ray, remember last year I prayed to get saved? I said, yeah. She goes, well, not only did I pray to get saved, but I got baptized too. I'm like, amen, wow. She was all excited. And, and th there's nothing more exciting than that. There, there was another lady who we were having a Bible study where I was discipling new believers. And one of the ladies had a sister. Now, the sister was one of those like, oh, no, not me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. That's what she would tell me every time. And so I would say, her name was Maricela. Maricela, come to our study. No, 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 no. No, don't tell me about that stuff. 
So then one day, look how God works. One day, I get a phone call uh, by the sister. She said, Ray, a friend of ours died, and they're all at the house, and there's no one to come from. Can you come and give a message? I said, sure, when? Now. Now? Okay. So I got my Bible on the way over. I said, Lord, I have no clue what I'm going to say. Give me some words. And so I opened up to 1 Thessalonians 4, right? That if we die in Christ, we're going to be raised with him. So I get there, and it literally packed. Couldn't move. I was standing there with people all around the house, right? And so I just gave a five-minute thing real quick, 1 Thessalonians 4. I said, anybody want to get saved? About 12 or 13, get up. And that lady who's like, no, 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 I mean, I mean, she's right up in the front crying. And, and then she tells me, uh, I, her husband just died two weeks ago and we were talking. Do you remember when I got saved? I said, yeah, I didn't want to get saved. Even when I got up, I don't know who got me up, but somebody got me up. And I was crying and I was fighting it the whole way, but the Lord saved me. And you know, what a testimony, huh? She fought it and fought it, but the Holy Spirit got a hold of her and she couldn't resist the Holy Spirit. Right? And wow, what, what a mighty thing God did. And, and when I go back to Houston, where so many came to Christ and I see them walking and man, it just fills my heart with joy. Thank you, Lord. Only you could do this. Right? I go back to Mexico. I, I, some of the people that have gone with me to preach the gospel, one brother named James, James Johnson, you might know him. He used to live in Detroit. Anyway, he, he was a tremendous evangelist. He preached, he preached to this one guy, came back a year later, and that, that guy was still walking in faith. And he says, I, I would like for you to baptize me. And we were so excited to see him, you know, baptize him and give testimony to what God had done. And when I go back now, he joined the, the missionary team as they do outreach every day, this guy. This guy was a drunkard, a, a, a brawler, you know, going to bars, cheating on his wife, and the Lord totally transformed him and his wife. And their children, some of them have come to Christ now. The power of the gospel. So he says, now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. I, 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 like, the, I, I like the way the, the three in Daniel said it. Bow to our idol. We will not. But don't you know that if you don't bow to it, we're going we're gonna to throw you in the fire. And, and here's what truth faith says. But even if he does not deliver us, we will not bow down to your idol. We are going to stand on our faith. And if it's the Lord's will for us to die, then we're going to die. But we are not going to deny the faith. We will not bow down to you, Nebuchadnezzar. And so 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to be persuaded in the faith, since you have knowledge of the certain divine truth, stand firm in the faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18, while we look not to the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by? Right. Take up the shield of faith, Ephesians 6, 16. 2 Corinthians 2, 6 and 7, established in the faith to make firm or reliable so as to warrant security and inspire confidence to be strengthened. Galatians 2, 20, my life is lived out by faith in the Son of God. Romans 1, 17, 
for faith, not just saving faith, but my daily life lived out in faith. 1 Peter 1.7, our faith is more precious than gold. Oh, how God loves our faith when we trust him and lean on him. And so notice in verse 9, for what thanks can we render to God for you, 1 Thessalonians 3.9, in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account. As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and we may complete what is lacking in your faith. In other words, uh, we're going to keep teaching you truth because as we teach you truth, your faith gets more and more established, stronger and stronger, more firm because your faith is going to grow when it knows truth. And so we never get tired of teaching truth because truth builds that faith and makes it firm and strong. And so Paul is saying, man, how, how can we thank God for what he did with you? When we look at you, but we want to go back and we want to visit you and we want to keep on teaching you whatever is lacking in your faith. Now, now may our God and Father himself and Jesus, our Lord, direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and inbound in love for one another, for all and for all men, just as we also do for you. Notice what he says that the love should increase for one another, but not only for one another, but for all men. In other words, preach the gospel. You're to love not, not just the men in the body, but the men and women, people outside of the church. We have to have a desire, the boldness, as we we're looking at, to preach Christ to these uh, people. So, uh, wow, what, what, a, uh, what a tremendous uh, passage. Again, you see the heart of the missionaries for the people, caring for them and wanting to make sure they were firm in the faith because Satan was attacking them and trying to discourage them and get them to walk away from the faith. Okay, Let, let's end right there. Let's end right there. Father, thank you. Thank you that the Thessalonians, in spite of their persecution and afflictions, were increasing, growing in their faith. They were firm in the faith. Wow, how exciting to see that. And Lord, nothing more exciting than if I were to come back here in a year or two to see all of these brothers walking in truth, firm in the faith. I pray that those be true in Christ's name.